Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. This morning, we are going to be in the book of Hebrews, so if you have your Bible or your phone and you would like to turn there, you can. It will also be up on the screen. Um, I like the book of Hebrews. I think there's some really great stuff in Hebrews. The problem with Hebrews is that it comes right before James, and I really, really like James, so I tend to just like skip over Hebrews and just move right into James, but there is this one passage in Hebrews that I'm a little bit obsessed with, and um, that's the passage that we're going to read today, so maybe you will also leave obsessed with this passage in Hebrews. Um, some scholars, a little bit of background from, for Hebrews because I think background is cool. Um, but some scholars basically have not really settled on like who actually wrote Hebrews. Some people say it was Paul. Some people say it wasn't. I looked through my class notes from my New Testament class to see what my professor thought and she didn't have a clue. So we're just going to go with we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Um, and we don't really know who it was written to. Um, it could be a letter, it could have been a speech, but I, I don't think that that you know, makes it any less important for us. Um, what I do know is that whoever the book of Hebrews was written to, or whoever it was addressed in, um, it was for encouragement and for guidance. Uh, there is encouragement um, all throughout the book. There is guidance on how to remain faithful to God. Um, because it, it really appears these people needed some guidance. Perhaps they had been slacking a little bit on their responsibilities in their faith community. Maybe they just weren't committed anymore. Um, but no matter that, what, what's clear is that there was a little bit of crisis going on in their community and they needed help. They were a little bit of a hot mess, which is, you know, what I am 90% of my life. But it's okay because we have God and God has grace. Um, so whatever they were going through, Hebrews was written um, to them. And I think today that we can grasp a lot from Hebrews. So let's jump in together to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, and I'm going to read this for you. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Isn't that line just so pretty? He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as, in, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can you see why this, these verses are so good? Like can you see why maybe like I'm a little bit obsessed with them? Maybe not yet but you will. Maybe. Um, these 
verses, I think, define community. And we've been talking about community. We've been talking about church. We're in the middle of a series right now that focuses on church. And I think these verses are perfect to remind us about why community is worth it and to guide us on how to be in community. I think there's something really special about mosaic. Um, Of course, I do, but you know, I'm a little biased. But every Sunday, we come into this room, and it's a gym when we get here at like quarter to nine. It's been a place all week for people to work out, for people to shoot hoops. Um, But something special happens when we get here and we come together. Because over an hour's time, we transform this space into a sanctuary. As we set up chairs and instruments and coffee and kids' spaces. And then as our Mosaic family starts coming, usually around 1035, even though we start at 1030, um, what is normally a gym begins to change and transform. The word sanctuary, now normally when I think sanctuary, I'm thinking like stained glass windows, you know, like pews, like ugly green carpet, who chose that? Um, But sanctuary actually is a word that's defined as a place of refuge or safety. And that's what we transform this room into each week. We don't need stained glass windows or green carpet or pews. Um, What we need is our community. That's how we transform this space into sanctuary. And it can feel like a lot of work each week to put all these chairs out, to put set up the tables. But we build this sacred space together every week to meet with our community. And I think that's special. For the last two years at Campbell, I have had the privilege of leading a small group for undergraduate students. We meet at a home off campus, and each week we share a meal together, and we study scripture. And Tuesday nights are our sanctuary. Tuesday nights are sacred. As we begin our time together, as we began our time together back in August, we made that decision. Tuesday nights would be sacred. One of my girls says that Tuesday nights she writes in pen in her calendar, which means it can't be erased. So it's it's there, it's written in stone for her. So that means that sometimes on Tuesday nights we study for test less because we know we're going to small group. Or maybe we miss a birthday dinner with friends, or maybe I'm up a little bit later doing homework. But we do this because there's this realization that community is of the greatest importance. And together, we have made a covenant to one another to keep Tuesday nights as our sanctuary, as our refuge, and our safety. And I have to admit, most Tuesday nights by 6.30, I'm tired, y'all. I'm ready to go to bed. Um, I've been in class straight since 8.30 in the morning, and all I really want to do is lay in bed and watch Hallmark. Uh, But I know that there's something great about gathering around the table with my girls. Tuesday nights are a sacred space for me and a sacred space for them. We take a normal room, which is actually a garage, And each week, we convert it into a sanctuary. And we make that our place of safety, our place of comfort. And I can't help but think that Jesus had some real important reasons for creating community. And for telling us to practice grace and love and friendship, but also to practice presence. 
I would even argue that to show grace and love and to create friendship and community, you have to have presence, right? Because we're all people. People that need to be loved and people that need to be known. We need somewhere to belong. We need somewhere that is our sanctuary. Because some of us sometimes are the ones in the weeds. If you've read Jen Hatmaker, um, she wrote a book called For the Love. And that's what she says. She says that sometimes her with her community, there's people who are in the weeds. That means there's people who are going through a desert season. And they need people to gather with them and listen to them. And that is part of creating a sanctuary. When we gather, Jesus gives us something special, something sacred. A few weeks ago, I had to choose a book to read for my senior synthesis class. Um, and I knew that I only had about a week to read this book, so there were two qualifications. One, it had to be less than 300 pages. I really wanted it to be less than 50, but who writes a book less than 50 pages? And the second qualification was that it had to be interesting, like really interesting. Like I need somebody who is joking or sarcastic or just something to keep me like in tune to what's going on because I had to write a six-page reflection paper. Um, so I chose to read a book by Anne Lamott called Traveling Mercies. I'm a, just a little bit obsessed with it now, so I talk about it frequently. I don't know how many of you are familiar with her, but basically she is the most authentic narrative voice you can imagine. I mean, she's real life. I mean, she's past Jen Hatmaker real life, and I think Jen Hatmaker is very real life. But she's 100% herself all the time, and she doesn't spare her readers from the lowest points of her life. But one of the things that I really, really love about her is that she is a master at painting pictures with words. Listen to how she paints her church. Because I think that this is one of the greatest things. I just, I love this so much. And it'll be up here if you're a visual person like me. The church smelled wonderful. Like the air had nourishment in it. Or like it was composed of these people's exhalations. Of warmth and faith and peace. That makes me just want to breathe. Just let it all out. Anne Lamott had never been in church, and she walked in church, and she would go just for the music. And this is what she felt when she walked in. To me, this is sanctuary. And even though we meet in a gym, and even though it may smell a little bit more like sweat and old shoes than flowers, Perhaps God has designed an even better smell for us. Perhaps our sanctuary smells like community and comfort and warmth and faith and peace. Because that's what we want others to walk in and feel. We want them to walk in here and to feel that nourishment. To feel warmth and faith and peace. And in moments, I think we should exhale that nourishment for others. For those who can't breathe on their own. I think that's what creating sanctuary is. I don't think sanctuaries are necessarily built with material items. I think we, as the people of God, build sanctuaries with our communities. By being love and refuge and strength for others. And here in Hebrews, it's telling us that we have the confidence for that. That God has instilled in us the confidence for that. 
And therefore, we have the foundation to build a sanctuary with one another and for one another. And I also love that it says that we only have this because we have a living God. I love that, a living God. In fact, I sent that to my small group girls yesterday because I was reading through a commentary and that's what it said. It talked about how God was living. He's living when we read scripture. He's living when we talk to one another and when we pray with one another. God is a living God. God is here present with us, helping us create sanctuary. The book of Exodus is always a reminder to me of how great God is. Um, the Israelites were practicing some hardcore community, if you've read through, like, you know, part of the Old Testament. But they were practicing it very poorly. There's a difference in practicing and practicing the right way and practicing and just practicing lazy like crap, which is what the Israelites were doing. They had spent years just wandering around, which was definitely their fault, but thank goodness God has grace for that. Um, but they were wandering, and that wandering had produced in them a faithless heart. And there probably wasn't much sacred anymore with each other. They had probably just given up on true sanctuary among themselves. And I imagine the people that the book of Hebrews is talking to were in a similar place. Not knowing how to navigate community, not knowing how to navigate life after Jesus' death. Because they were waiting for him to come back and, and they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to live life. But verses 24 and 25 urge them, and I think us as well, to spur one another on towards love and to not give up meeting together. I read from the um, NRSV this morning, and it says rather than spur one another on, it says to provoke one another towards loving good deeds. And when I picture the Israelites wandering around, what I picture in my mind is a, a group of people who kind of look like the cast of Survivor, like 75% of the way through the season. Um, you know, they're like really thin, they're worn out, they have crazy hair, they're willing to stab somebody in the back for some food and money, and they have this, this deep longing for some kind of safe space, because they're on a random island or in a random jungle where they don't know anything, nothing is safe for them. This was me in 2012 when I got back from the world race. I was not thin because in Africa they have this bread called chapati and I'm like Oprah, I really like bread. It's better than ciabatta bread. You need to try it. Um, but I was worn out. I did have crazy hair and I did have this deep longing for something. So I spent months just moping around, confused about what my next steps would be. I was basically the Israelites, except for my desert was eastern North Carolina. Um, so one day, I call my friend Kenra, and Kenra had been my team leader on the world race, so she had lived with me for nine months. Eight months, doesn't matter. Kenra had lived with me for a long time, very close to me. She knew me very well, and we had created community with one another. And so I called her and I'm telling her about the desert I'm in and I'm telling her how confused I am as I am just begging God to speak and just, just sitting around, just in a chair, like, all right, God, like you can speak anytime now. Um, and it, the first thing that Kenra did after, of course, she listened to me is she said, well, Caitlin, are you spending any time with God? 
And I said, uh, no, I'm just like waiting for him to talk to me. And immediately the first thing she did was she called me out. She said, well, Caitlin, how do you expect God to speak to you if you're not spending any time with him? Whoa, Kenra, like, I need you to calm down. <laughs> we don't like to be called out, right? I don't like to be called out. I am a people pleaser. But in this moment, I realized, how do I expect God to speak when I haven't spent any time with him? And this is not a sermon about spending time daily with the Bible and prayer, but you should do it. It's good. Um, we should all do it. I struggle with it. Okay. But what Kenra did in that moment was Kenra challenged me. Kenra was provoking me towards good deeds and love. And her way of doing that was being honest with me. She challenged me because she knew I could be better than what I was living in in that moment. And she wanted me to step towards something else. She wanted me to step into something greater. And that's what community is. It's deeper than this surface level relationship. It's, it's really diving in with others, really getting to know the heart of others, knowing what makes them who they are and loving them enough to call them up. I like that better than, say, calling out. I think calling up is, makes it a little more positive. But Kenra definitely called me up. She knew that I was wandering around faithless and that I couldn't speak into myself, so she spoke into me. And she was in a position to do that because we were in community. Because, because we had created sacred space. We had spent eight or nine months developing that community. And I knew if she was challenging me that it was to make me better. I'm sure it wasn't easy for her to call me out. It's never easy to call anyone out. Um, but she did it in a loving way and she did it because she loved me and she loved God. How can we provoke one another towards love and good deeds? I think the author of Hebrews tells us a little bit in verse 25. He says that we're not to abandon one another. We're to stick next to one another. And we're to encourage one another. When we meet in this place on Sunday, or when we meet in a brewery on Wednesday night, or as the youth meet at the beach in March, those places may not seem originally like sanctuary, but because we have created community, we are building them up as a place of sanctuary. We are sanctuary to each other. We've created a place where we can provoke one another to love and good deeds by encouraging each other and by challenging each other. We develop as a community when we do these things. Community is not easy. And when I think about community, I think about the disciples. Um, we all know the disciples were also a hot mess, kind of like the Israelites. Um, a theme of God is to choose hot mess people to do big things. Um, thank you, Jesus. So, <laughs> the disciples, two of my favorite disciples that I like to think about are Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Okay? So you have Matthew the tax collector, and tax 
collectors would have worked for the Roman government, right? I mean, they're collecting taxes. So you have Matthew over here who supposedly is supporting the Roman government because it's kind of his job. And then you have Simon the Zealot. And if you know anything about the Zealots, you know that they were all about overthrowing the Roman government. They would not have been supportive. They were like, military, let's go, let's fight them, we're not about that. So you have these two disciples on completely opposite ends of, I guess, a political spectrum. But somehow they made it work. Somehow they created sanctuary among one another. Now, am I saying everything was perfect? No. I mean, I don't see them breaking out and fight anywhere in the New Testament, although that would be interesting. But community is not easy. Creating sanctuary is not easy. Provoking one another to love and good deeds is not easy. It takes work. It takes struggle. But it's so important. It's what Jesus wanted for us. It's, it's what we were created for. The writer in Hebrews says in verse 24, Let us consider. Let us consider. That word consider means to think about or to meditate on. So let me read that again. Verse 24. Let us consider, let us think about, let us meditate on how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together and always encouraging one another. Let's take a moment this morning to really sit with these words in Hebrews. How do we continue to create sanctuary with one another? How can we be one another's comfort and refuge? How do we challenge one another? How can we be a kinra, calling one another up? In this series, we have been reflecting on ultimately the foundations of church, the foundations of, of the church's people. So I want us to think about that this morning. To think about the people that are sitting around us, the people that are in our community. How do we continue meeting together and being sanctuary? How do we continue provoking one another along? I'm going to end this morning by reading the entire passage of Hebrews again. And then I want us to just sit with it for a moment. To move into a time of prayer. And to think about what God is calling us to. Hebrews 10, 19-25 Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, 
not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching.